The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host Traver Mayfield sits down with Major Paul Sanford. Hello listeners, Traver Mayfield here. As you heard in the introduction, we have U.S. Marine Corps Major Paul Sanford on the podcast today. Now, before we begin, please feel free to give us a like and hit follow on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to us on. All that engagement really helps people find the podcast. So, Paul, uh, thank you for your time today. And uh, more importantly, thank you for what you and your team do in setting up all the Marine Corps formal schools for success. And uh, yeah, man, I'm definitely looking forward to, to talking more about that subject today. Thanks, man. I'm happy to be here. Both you and I are MOS 7202 Aviation Command and Control Officers by trade, but, uh, but you're currently serving as an MOS 8802 Training and Education Officer. So tell us about your journey in the Marine Corps and kind of how it led to what you do today as, a, as an 8802. That's, that's a long journey because it's been almost 21 years <laughs> now. Um, so back in 2002, I, I enlisted originally as a radio operator. Did my time in Iraq, went through all that push and whatnot, uh, went back to school as a reservist, graduated, commissioned in 2008, got into the 7200 community like you just alluded to, and then ended up as a, as a schoolhouse instructor in 2012. So lots of time in 29 Palms for me so far. But the funny part is, like, I never even wanted to go that route. I actively fought against going to the schoolhouse because especially at the time there was this big perception that Training command positions, particularly at MOS schools, weren't great for career advancement, and they definitely weren't the cool job to have. That's that's actually still an ongoing point of concern that the higher echelons, to include the commandant, are working to address. They're they're starting to get after it by creating new instructor MOSs. They're trying to find ways to incentivize instructor duties, but that's a conversation in and of itself. after that, I went back, went back to the fleet, spent a lot of time kind of seeing the results of what we did at the schoolhouse. We're running into three years worth of former students, both on the enlisted and officer side. And that was really something to see after they had spent so much more time in the fleet and were putting to use everything that you'd worked through. So it had me reflecting on my time with training command. And when the opportunity came, for the Commandant's Professional Intermediate Level Education Board, or CPIB, I applied to the Advanced Degree Program. So instead of going to Naval Postgraduate School, I was able to go to Arizona State University, get my Master's in Learning Sciences, and that's what started this journey as an 8802. Um, went through TCOM, the, the Ockfield sponsor out there, approved the, the degree plan, and I was assigned to what's now the Center for Learning and Faculty Development, formerly Train the Trainer School here in Camp Pendleton. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, you never initially saw yourself going uh, going the route that you did. I never initially saw myself being at Naval Postgraduate School, uh, being an operations officer uh, at a schoolhouse environment, which is what I did before coming to, uh, to NPS as well. Um, I feel like it was just yesterday when I was a second lieutenant, look, staring at people like myself now saying that, you know, the Marine Corps would take you places you don't want to go, but it, it would take you where you need. Not what you want, but what you need. Kind of like that, that song from back in the day. I think, um, 
I think you had some perfect timing, though, when you arrived at uh, at Training Command. You know, I, I know we were talking in the weeks leading up to this podcast about uh, all the um, all the great guidance coming down from uh, from higher headquarters and headquarters Marine Corps level. We're talking the Commandant's Planning Guidance, uh, Marine Corps Doctrinal Publication Seven Learning, and then uh, the newest uh, piece of guidance that we received: Training and Education 2030. And uh, you mentioned that two of your biggest, uh, biggest passions and biggest, uh, biggest projects, which is actually awesome when your work projects and passions can kind of align, uh, were the implementation of two of the specific courses called out in that training and education 2030 uh, document, which were the uh, formal school management course or FSMC and the facilitate learning experiences course or, uh, or FLEX. Now tell us a little bit about uh, FSMC and, um, and how you and your team redesigned and re-implemented that course that we see today. Yeah, so FSMC is in an interesting position, right? Because it is supposed to cover all of the management aspects of a school, formal school that are done by everybody from your course chief or that, you know, that lead instructor down there kind of coordinating aspects all the way up to the operations and academic staff at an 06 level command. So it's got a huge range of audience to address and all of their needs over a three-day crash course in what there is to do at a formal school. Uh, needless to say, it's it's a bear. And traditionally, I mean, it's been just as guilty as any other course of focusing on what General Berger called out in the CPG, the lecture memorizing facts, regurgitating facts mm-hmm. on demand level of instruction. It was, we were just as bad as anybody else. And we've had to kind of correct that. And so through a lot of kind of collaboration with these schools and figuring out where can we best tie in, we've been able to take lessons learned from the development of Flex and the old instructor development course and kind of tie that into FSMC so that now you've got school leadership coming and actually being exposed to the exact same things that their entry-level instructors are being exposed to. So they not only have a good understanding of the capabilities of their people by doing similar things right off the bat, but now we have a forum to walk them through training and education 2030 or some of our other policy and, and doctrine that the Marine Corps just has instead of saying, Hey guys, read this. Okay tell me about this, that gets, that gets boring. Yeah, definitely. Kind of, kind of keying more into, uh, that last bit you said, uh, Hey guys, read this. Tell me about that, that, uh, kind of baseline discussion model or, um, some of what you alluded to that was in the commandant's planning guidance, the initial commandant's planning guidance in 2019, where, uh, to, to paraphrase him, not to direct quote him, he said, we need to get rid of the, uh, rote memorization and regurgitation of facts and kind of look more towards uh, critical thinking, developing Marines that can operate independently in an era of great power competition. Um, now, some things have to be uh, rote memorization, regurgitation of facts. I, I don't know if you remember this. This is a couple years ago when me and you were in the uh, FSMC course and you were teaching me in that course. Um, now, some things like disassembly and assembly of a machine gun, that has to be rote memorization, regurgitation of facts. But, some, but a lot of other you know, learning skills need to be more independent uh, independent thinking and experiential uh, driven. Um, can you tell us more about that paradigm and how, uh, how that applied to FSMC? Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting to try to break that one down, right? Because you're 100% spot on 
There are absolutely procedures that have to be memorized in a certain way. Emergency procedures, high-risk training, right? We talk to, we work with the guys out at Jungle Warfare Training Center, or Mountain Warfare Training Center. When they're going to tie knots, if they don't do it in such a way, you're going to slip, fall, and break something or kill yourself, right? So it's critical importance that some things are memorized specifically. And when General Berger called that out, my interpretation of all that, and I think our shared interpretation at T3S and CLFD, wasn't to get rid of those things that needed it, but to kind of shift away from that model of memorizing for the sake of memorization, mm -hmm. right? We've all been through those courses where the PowerPoint slides in front of us, and you just have to look at it until you remember it, and then somebody's going to quiz you on it later, but then you're never actually going to use it again, right? And so that knowledge just goes to waste, both a waste of our time as instructors and staff, the students' time as they're trying to learn all this other stuff. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that model works if you just want to get people out the door to a fleet unit that can very quickly call back and say, what are you even teaching these guys? Why are you wasting my time? And they're just going to tell those new Marines to forget everything that they've learned. So if you can instead teach some of these skills by actively engaging your students with them, it, it works better just simply enough, right? There's a lot of evidence and studies out there that clearly show if you can get involved with it, you're going to learn it better. And that applies for knowledge as well as skills, right? You talked about the dis and ass of a machine gun. You don't have to teach them every little thing about how to do it you can have them start breaking things down and put them on a rug that has all the pictures outlined on it without ever explaining what those pieces are because they're going to figure this stuff out. And maybe you walk around and help them pull a pin here or there because they're stuck on that. Uh, so there's ways to get them doing it where they can exercise their problem-solving skills without necessarily completely knowing every little thing about it which is honestly kind of counter to how we do things traditionally. Uh, we very often want to tell them everything first so that they can kind of understand what's going on and then give them that problem to solve or that experience to have. If we can, if we can flip that and put them in a problem first or an experience first, use that to kind of build awareness of what's happening around them, why things are the way that they are, as instructors and facilitators, we can follow that up with the need to know stuff, right? Some of those nomenclature aspects that they just absolutely have to have memorized, the Marine Corps jargon, the lingo that we use, but otherwise they're more than capable of doing the thing without all that technical knowledge. So why make that first? Yeah, definitely. I'm a, I'm a huge analogy guy when it comes to uh, taking new concepts and Kind of trying to trying to translate them into how we do things today and how we can improve practices and uh kind of the uh kind of the image that you were painting of you know, instead of having a step one two three four five for disassembly assembly of a machine gun for an example just lay all the pieces out with pictures and have the marines kind of figure it out um correct me if i'm wrong but kind of the uh the analogy that i would always uh tell people about that was uh hey that's an example of outcomes-based learning and it's actually not that new Marines have been doing that since 1775. You know, hey, Corporal, hey, Lieutenant, go accomplish task X. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. As long as you do it safely and effectively, accomplish the task. And I'll step back and kind of coach and watch you go along. 
And is that kind of what uh what you're getting after? And uh and also how does that help with like a uh, knowledge, long term knowledge or attention? I absolutely agree with you, right? It goes back to the traditional example of Gunny, go build me a flagpole, right? Yeah, definitely. The problem that we face is that we don't apply that same idea or concept or paradigm in a school environment as we do when Marines are just out in the fleet, right? We expect school to be very structured and controlled and disciplined, and we, we fail to build space or to plan for failure. But at the end of the day, failure is what drives learning. It's why we have a whole center dedicated to it, right? The Marine Corps Center for Lessons Learned. Uh, but we do face the time crunch, right? Every school in the Marine Corps is bound by time. We have to get these Marines through the training pipeline in as efficient of a manner as we possibly can. Great, noted. But if we know that we can build in those failure spaces to generate more learning, we can create deeper retention. We can create the ability for them to transfer skills and knowledge to entirely different contexts when they leave better by having them start to think through these problems from the beginning. We're not necessarily going to make a fully capable critical and creative thinker out of every PFC that's coming through. And that's, I don't think that's the goal of what we're getting after. However, if we can lay that foundation early on, that's something that can now be built on by OJT at the units, by future PME and all these other, all these other events and schools that the Marine Corps has. And so we're treating it as this lifelong development pathway, not just these stovepipes of learning here and there that are disconnected from the reality of the situations we all face. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully the segue into the next question is uh, something else you can tell us about that will help us accomplish that goal of pushing Marines out to the fleet that might not be 100% Socratic critical thinkers on day one, but like you said, lay that foundation so they can have life, so they can have a a method to conduct lifelong learning and continue to pick up skills efficiently and then execute those skills, you know, as things get more complex as they do their missions in the Fleet Marine Force. And that, that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was that, uh, that second course that you were uh, key in developing, which was the Facilitate Learning Experiences or FLEX course. Uh, I think we were talking before the podcast that uh, I was telling m uh, my commanding officer at my last command, which was a schoolhouse command in the Marine Corps, that our instructors that are on the block teaching these young men and women the skills that they need to go out to the Fleet Marine Force, that's the main effort of the schoolhouse, making sure our instructors have the knowledge to imbue those Marines with not just the skills they need, but also set that foundation for lifelong learning that we've been talking about. So tell us a little bit about that, uh, that flex course and kind of your journey in, uh, in creating it and how's the initial implementation been so far? I mean, you're definitely right. It's It's been a journey for sure. Um, to provide a little bit of context to it, right? We started off as the instructor development course. It was before that, it was the basic instructor course, got a senior instructor course tacked onto it. So it's been through a lot of evolution in its time. To add to what you were saying of a moment ago, General Sullivan, the CG Training Command, has come out and stated that the instructors within Training Command 
are his center of gravity, right? They are the individuals that are going to push the students and get them to that objective, which is learning. Right. So if you want to look at the students as the main effort, the instructors are the center of gravity and get them onto the objective and out to the fleet as the most capable, most lethal Marine possible within the time constraints that we face. So to do that for a long time, instructor development course and basic instructor course and all its previous iterations have really focused on what was perceived as the basics of instruction. I know you can't see me right now, but I was doing the air quotes around there because what we think of as basic is really just shaped by our perspective of things, right? We come through the Marine Corps through boot camp and our own MOS school experiences and everything else being talked to. Uh, a lot of us in the older generations went through K through 12 in a similar manner of the instructor is in charge of the classroom and they are here to give to me the knowledge that they hold in their head that they've so graciously put on a screen in front of me, whether that was with transparencies or PowerPoint, depending on how old you are out there. Um, and they'll use that so that I can now take a test and move on in my career. So the basic of instruction there was to be able to not talk with your hands, to not say um too often or other pet words and things like that. So that's what we focused on. As time went on, it became more and more apparent to those of us within training command, within this kind of education field, that a lot of those skills are generally known, whether they're, whether they're done or not is a different matter, but most people know inherently or explicitly that you probably shouldn't talk too much with your hands, that it can be distracting to do this, that, or the other thing, and so on. So, as we began to recognize that, we started to experiment in instructor development course with new ways of engaging students with the material. And that happened right around the time of the Commandant's planning guidance and that kind of direction to change in such a manner. And so over the next couple of years, we kept experimenting with it until we got to a point that we realized as much as IDC was incorporating these things we weren't really teaching others how to do them we were still teaching similar stuff but in a new way uh, so then in 2021 that's when we really started to look at what do we need to teach these formal school instructors so that they can come to this two-week experience gain a bunch of new techniques tactics strategies and take them back to their school to really generate change from the ground up. Because the other issue we were running into is that the schools just didn't have the expertise to make any of the changes the Commandant was talking about, or CGTECOM, General Mullen at the time, or any of the succeeding CGs that we've all had. And so the other intent of Flex was to create change agents out of the formal school instructor so that they could leave and start generating change from within at their schools. At that point, uh, we spent 2022 piloting all the different iterations and really ig not ignoring, but acknowledging that most people understood what we previously considered the basics of instruction and letting them experience and learn and mess around with 
new techniques, like getting getting into jigsaw activities with their classmates and you know teaching things to one small group of people to multiple small groups of people excuse me and then having them back brief each other with the instructor present to be able to correct any shortcomings or missed objectives and so on right so it was never to take the instructor out of the picture they have that central role in it but instead of the student just being a passive recipient of anything the expectation is that they have to do now the mental work too, right? Because if you've sat out there as an instructor and you're the one processing all your experience with the knowledge that you know, yeah, you can give it to somebody, but how long does it stick around? Mm -hmm. Probably long enough for them to pass a test and then leave. But if I can make them do something with the knowledge in front of them and an experience I place them in, they're going to remember that longer and they can do more with it in the long term. And I'm probably gonna see some other benefits within the school of saving time, maybe not immediately, and maybe not in any large chunk, but 15 minutes out of one lesson over a, I don't know, three month POI can lead to a lot of time savings and then more time available to get in some practical application, get in those reps and sets in other ways. No, that's awesome. Yeah, it's all about hands-on learning, trying to replicate as realistically, safely, and effectively as possible what these Marines are going to be executing in the, in the Fleet Marine Force. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. For more information about today's guest and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room podcast has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tritonroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tritonroompodcast.